You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 196, covering body parts and broken link. Friends, it's us again. Yep. It's been a week for you, but it's only been like two days for us. We just couldn't wait. The, the season finale of DS9 just would wait for no man, and so here we are. That's correct. Oh. Uh, first one's fine, but the second one, oh. I, I, enjoyed, this, I enjoyed the first one, but the second yeah. one, it's like we said while we were watching it, that's Deep Space Nine. Yeah, right there. Yep. And we've said this a couple of times before. I said this like when they did the Changelings on Earth thing. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's a few quintessential DS9 episodes. The the chasing the changeling around the uh, the, the defiant that was yep. another one, but this is definitely definitely one of those. Yeah. So, but first we should talk about body pants, which is how I read <laughs> this originally. Actually, there is a scene involving pants, but uh, I, don't know that, I don't know that that's in your summary, Matt. I feel like pants feature very heavily this week. There there is definitely a very pantaloons heavy agenda. Mm-hmm. The pantaloons agenda. Which uh, I believe was an episode of uh, Next Gen. I set them up and you knock them down. That's right. The pants, I mean. You knock down the pants. <laughs> All right, why don't you tell us about body pants, or body right. parts as it is known on Earth. All right, so Quark comes home from his visit to Ferenginar with a bad case of Dork Syndrome, an extremely rare and untreatable Ferengi disease known for having absolutely no negative effects except for killing you in about six days. Needless to say, he's a little depressed. Hard up for cash and looking to pay off his debts, Quark, you fool! Dying when you owe people money is the best thing about death. He takes Rom's advice, mistake the first, and sells his vacuum-sealed remains on Ferengi eBay, mistake the second. Apparently this is the thing Ferengi might consider actually wanting for some reason. Eventually, the whole wad of Ferengi corpse is bought by a mysterious client for 500 bars of gold-pressed latinum, or 332,000 yen. With that much scratch, Court can pay off his debts, fix his mother up with a nice inheritance, and still have enough money for a fancier funeral than the one my grandparents have been planning since they turned 70. So it's actually a bit of a shame when it turns out that he isn't going to die. Rule of Acquisition 248. Never trust a Ferengi doctor. Or lawyer. Or painter. Or dog groomer. That's it, though. Just those four people. <laughs> anyway, that night, Quark gets a visit from Liquidator Brunt, FCA. Turns out he's the corpse buyer in question, and he wants his merchandise, and he doesn't actually care that Quark isn't going to die right now. The only way Quark can get out of this is to break his contract, which will literally ruin him. No business license, exiled from Ferenginar, unable to do business with any Ferengi ever. Also, other Ferengi are legally allowed to request free piggyback rides from him at any time. <laughs> After some soul-searching and a stupid dream sequence, Quark does break the contract with Br and Brunt Bales. Once again, a winner. God, I wish some Jem'Hadar would just fucking shoot him. Anyway, Quark sits alone in his empty bar when everyone from the station starts coming in and donating glasses and booze and stuff so he can reopen the place. And in this way, Quark learns Rule of Acquisition 183. The real treasure is friends. They'll just give you stuff for free. Okay, just to be clear, that is not a real Rule of Acquisition. No, not even a little bit. Nervous. Although neither is 248 if you look it up. Uh, I, I, if anyone wants to put that on Memory Alpha, though, that would be great. Yeah, I don't think they go that high. So No. So that's okay. That, that's the thing. Your made-up rules have to be a little higher than, than one, uh, what did you say, 183. 183. I did uh, check if th that they weren't any of the ones mentioned in this episode, though. Ah, of course. Um, a couple of things. Yes. First of all, I can't believe you, you uh, completely avoided the opportunity to call it Ferengi Bay. Oh, damn it! 
I, that is that is like low hanging Matt fruit right God there. God damn! All right, you know what? I quit. I retire. <laughs> I'd say we'll record a retake, but I'm not doing that. Son of a bitch! You better call Flonk. Yeah, that that's okay. Um, the other thing is there was a whole subplot that you did not summarize. Yeah. Um, I meant to bring that up and then I didn't because I forgot about it. <laughs> well, it's more of a let's set up a situation that will be a running situation for a while and less a plot like. Nothing really happens and gets resolved. It's just sort of one step in a continuing thing. Yeah. Um, it's also your bad thing, so let's maybe hit that first. Yeah. Okay. So uh, Keiko is off in the Gamma Quadrant, and it's funny because Matt and I both have exactly the same note. Stay out of the... Oh, never mind. <laughs> I was saying it because I was tired of saying it. Matt was saying it because it's Keiko, and who cares? Yeah. Don't go to the Gamma Quadrant. Keiko, something battle. You know what? You're fine. Yeah, but Kira's there, too, and you love Kira. I do love Kira. Yes. And I'm quite fond of Julian. Right. Um, but she's there doing some botany stuff. And Dax, who is, once again, the Dax we remember and love now. Mm-hmm. Like, O'Brien's like, I can't believe she went over there when, uh, you know, she's she's pregnant. I, I, I had to remind her she's pregnant. And Dax's like, yeah, because the swollen feet and the morning sickness and the constant kicking, well, you know, not enough. Horrifying feeling of having something alive inside of you. Yeah. Ugh. Well, she's got that all the time. She had she had that as Curzon, if you'll remember. True. But it was it was a great moment of Dax, which is just like, you know, I've led seven lifetimes. I've been pregnant a lot. Why don't you cut her a little slack, man? She knows what she's doing. But but she goes on a botany adventure Mm -hmm. and something last not shown on in any episode. Uh, How excited would you be to watch Keiko's botany adventures rather than uh, the quickening? Fair enough. Even make it the B story in the quickening so we have something to cut away from? Mm-hmm. No, uh, no, you got me there. Yeah, because it would have been happening around the same time. No, 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 because she's with Julian. Yeah. So it wouldn't have happened at the same time. Damn it. Oh, well. Anyway, um, but yeah, the three of them are on the runabout. Something goes wrong in the Gamma Quadrant because, <gasps> no way, the Gamma Quadrant is dangerous. What? What? <laughs> Thank you, Bojack Horseman, for giving me that. <sighs> um. And uh, basically what happens is uh, her baby is is like, like she's okay, she's injured, but she'll be okay. But her baby is not going to live unless they transport the baby into someone else's womb. Mm-hmm. And the only womb available is, uh, well, Kira, who is an alien. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's not a great excuse. It may be. And we haven't done Voyager yet. No. But it may be the stupidest thing I've seen on Star Trek so far. Really? Maybe stupider than Giant Black Cat. Maybe stupider, stupider than uh, Captain Kirk giving a uh, giving a midget a piggyback ride. Ooh. Hard right, to say. Uh, hor- uh, keep in mind, uh, at one point, Kirk actually uh, sort of rears back and waves his arms in the air like a horse uh, going on two legs. Yeah, I remember, man. Yeah. That that was that was below the belt. There was yeah. there was no need to uh, to hit me in the body pants there. Okay, so this is one of the stupidest things, <laughs> but it's pretty damn stupid, uh, and we yeah. we expect better from this show. Mm-hmm. Beaming a baby from one person to another is dumb enough. Beaming yes. a baby into an alien, who okay, they're ninety five percent like humans, but they still got weird shit. Yep. They, I mean, they, they're clearly their biology's like. Yeah, different. they say the baby's only going to take five months instead of nine. 
and there's some kind of weird intricate system of, of uh, vessels or whatever that you can't like blood vessels that you can't sever once they've been attached. Like there's, yeah. there's all this stuff. And instead of morning sickness, they sneeze. Yep. So, I mean, at least Kira is not going to have too hard a time as compared to, to what Keiko was going to go. Through. Yeah. But I mean, you know, apparently you can just cut the baby out, stick it in a new slot. Yeah. Like a, like a card, like a graphics card. Yeah, exactly. It, it just, oh, it doesn't make sense. The thing is, they get some good character stuff out of it, and mm -hmm. without spoiling anything specific, there's more to come. Yeah. They they do ride this for a bit, but it's so dumb. Yeah, it's, it, it's such, like, here's the thing, they just, they, well, Nana Visitor is actually pregnant at this point. With Alexander Siddig's baby, by the mm -hmm. way. She and Dr. Bashir have hooked up in real life, and yep. he knocked her up. Yep. And, um, you know, like, there's a history of covering up pregnancies on uh, TV shows. It's certainly a bit, it's, I would certainly prefer this to uh, their other idea, which was to have uh, it be Shakar's baby. No, that would have been terrible. Since I can't think of anything worse than sticking Kira with a kid. No, Kira doesn't want a kid right now. She and Shakar just started seeing each other. They're yeah. not that serious yet. Like, I could see Kira maybe someday thinking she wants to settle down. Yeah. And then realizing it's a bad idea. But for a brief moment, she does have a soft side to her. Mm -hmm. And she might think briefly, maybe I'm ready to, to stop. Yeah. But, but not, uh, now is not that time. No. Um, but yeah, the thing is, Nana Visitor is pregnant. Uh, apparently, um, uh, Gates McFadden was pregnant for season four of Next Gen, which yep. I didn't know. So they hid that pretty well. Yeah, they, um, you know, it's yeah, there are ways to sort of shoot around that. You get a lot of face shots, a lot of someone standing behind something. Yeah, and then a body double for, like, Longer shots. Yeah. Uh, when Jilly Anderson got pregnant on the X-Files, they put her in a lot of lab coats and a lot of very big... Uh, and a lot of trench coats. Right. Uh, that doesn't work quite as well for Kira, who no. um, isn't known for her large, flowing wardrobe. No, usually wears a skin-tight jumpsuit. Yes. And, yeah, no, I, I understand that. But on the other hand, I don't know, it's the end of the season. Mm. We're about to go into a three- or four-month hiatus. You can't maybe think of a way to write her off the show for five episodes. Yeah, like it wouldn't it wouldn't be that long. Like you wait until she's showing until you you write her off for a little while, and then you say uh, she had to go back to her home planet, <laughs> which is Mi right there, so it's not a big deal. Mission on Va uh, Mission on Bajor. Right, but all that said, they do get some genuinely fun character stuff out of it mm -hmm. because it's super awkward for the O'Briens, but they have to put a good face on it. Our baby's still alive. Nerys is a nice lady. Yeah, our baby's gonna be okay. Do you want to maybe come live with us? I guess. Yeah, it's it's weird because like, I mean, clearly, oh, like, the chief and uh, and Kira like like each other. You know, that's a, I would say, stronger than you know a standard work friendship, but still very much a work friendship. Like, I would say he's he's equally friends with her as he is with War for Dax. Yeah, exactly. Not like, as much as Julian, but as much no. as his other coworkers. Yeah. Like, I mean, as far as friendships go, Kira's obviously more close to, like, Dax or whatever. Right. But, I mean, these are people who like each other, who probably, you know, do group hangouts occasionally. Yeah. But don't spend time with each other alone. Right. And the and fact that she's moved in with them. Yeah, and now suddenly it's like, well, you've got our kid inside of you. Yeah, and the thing is, again, without spoiling specific stuff, they will get some fun, um, sort of, like, sitcom-y awkward like situations out of this in in the weeks to come yeah like which adds some nice levity to some otherwise really heavy stuff that happens at the beginning of season five well yeah we're heading into 
season yeah, five. We're heading into some big stuff, so it's nice to cut back and say, hey, no, by the way, this woman's carrying someone else's baby. It gets, yeah. it gets a little soap opera. It gets a little, like, ridiculous soap opera-y, like what I like about Downton Abbey, which is that it's fucking ridiculous and terrible. Oh, are we getting a gay butler on the show? Oh, I hope so. Except he'll forget he's gay for, like, three seasons. <laughs> Actually, that might be Garrick. Yeah, that could be. Well, there's definitely a Make Garrick Seem Straight initiative that seems to be happening now. Yeah. But we'll get to that more in the next episode. Yeah. Um, but that is that pretty much all we have to say about the subplot? Because you're I right, it is not. I think so. It's, it, it's very minimal. Um, no, it's basically, okay, this actress is going to start swelling up. You need to know why. We'll write a funny scene here and there to remind you, but this yep. isn't the main focus. Yep. And it also gives you a title because body parts. <clears throat> Like, two different people are dealing with their body parts. Ah, uh, so, yes. You know, that that loosely ties But we put together. parts of Keiko into your body. Oh, God. <laughs> it doesn't make this better. No. So let, let's let's really, let's talk about the main thing. All right. So, yeah. Uh, Quark is going to die, and then he's not going to die. Uh-huh. Um, it, it seems clear to me mm-hmm. that Brunt just paid a doctor to say that. I, I think that's pretty obvious. And then deliberately paid the doctor to tell him within days. Yep. I want him to twist when I show up and tell him, I don't care, you still owe me your body. Yeah. Like, I want to see his reaction. I don't want to just come collect his body. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to I want to see him suffer. It's On the one hand, it's a very elaborate revenge plan. But on the other hand, I feel like there's a lot of ways you could go with it, If even if Quark didn't decide to sell his body on eBay. Well, and I noticed in your notes, at first, you're like, I don't buy that Brunt is really this motivated and then three or four lines down you're like nope that speech made total sense no he has a great why like there's a point where Quark's like what exactly have I done to you that makes you hate me so much and then Brunt's just like well I'm glad you asked your family is a blight on Ferengi society it's not just you but but you people what the hell is wrong with you people your brother started a union yeah. Which you secretly agreed to support. Your mother put on clothes and made money. Like, what are you people do? What yeah. are you people doing? And Quark's like, yeah, but I didn't do any of that. He's like, well, you negotiated with the union and you you sold medicine to the Bajorans at cost, above and- cost, slightly above cost. Right. Thank you. <laughs> but it's it's nice because he does like it's basically like I am an ultra conservative and you are ruining society and I need to get rid of you. Yeah. No, it's great. It makes total sense. Like, it, it's, like, going into this, I th- like, I thought I had a really good, uh, bad thing to, to, to go Yeah, for. this it's is like, just kind of out of nowhere. What, what the hell? What is wrong with you, man? It's like, nope, you make some excellent points. I c- and also, I can see Brunt being this petty. Yes. Like, well, this most, is... I believe most Ferengi are this petty. Yeah. Like, I, I just, I get the feeling this is not the only person whose life is, is on his list oh, no. of people to ruin. Oh, no, he's got a Nixonian enemies list. Yeah, exactly. He is absolutely checking off people as he goes around the galaxy and makes sure that they're fucked in one way or another. This is a guy who who fought damn hard to get exactly where he wanted to be in life so he could start fucking people over. Yep. And this really goes to my good thing, mm-hmm. which is that Brunt is finally properly Quark's nemesis. Yeah. And not just some boring bureaucrat who keeps showing up. Yeah, we talked about this the first time. Where like there's not a whole there was not a whole lot going on with that character, and we remembered him being great. It's another one of those like Dax where it took a little while to get there. Yeah, but he's now into just full on petty dick mode, and I love it. And once you find a good way to once have a villain ruin someone's life, then they can just keep coming back for revenge, and it's fine. Yeah, but you really have to have a good first story, and now this is finally his good like first. 
I'm gonna ruin you story. Yeah. No, we really they set it up really well. Yep. And just every time he's on screen, like he's just one of those characters I love fucking hating. You know. Well, it's Jeffrey Combs first of all. Yeah. So which, it's a great time to be him because Wayun two weeks ago and now this. Yeah. And yeah, I mean he's he's just he lives here now. Mm-hmm. And he's great. And they're part, two part of the crew. entirely different characters, but he nails them both so well. Yeah. And he co- very comically, every time he enters, Brunt, F-C-A. I think there's an episode way down the line in, like, season seven or something, when he shows up. He's like, Brunt! And everyone in the room just turns and goes, F-C-A! F-C-A. Yep. Well, it's like, um, God, what is her name uh, in, in Doctor Who? Uh, Harriet Jones, I work for the government. Mm-hmm. Like, after the third or fourth time. Yes, 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 we know. <laughs> Thank you, sweetie. Yeah. Um, but it's it's really like it's really nice to have Quark set up with a proper nemesis because it's clear it's not Odo. No, obviously. And it that that for, that guy they introduced to be his nemesis never really worked out either. Who? Uh, it was like season two or something. The guy who opened the bar across the street. Oh yeah 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 yeah. That uh, you know. Humperdinck. Yeah yeah. There was potential there, but it didn't really go anywhere. No. Whereas Brunt's just awesome. And you gotta have a Ferengi, really, because you you gotta have someone fighting yeah. him on his own turf. Like, well, I mean, that's the thing. He brings it up in this episode where he's like, "I don't care what other people think." Yeah, it's I'm a, judging you by our culture standards, and yeah. you fail. Yeah, this is what it means to be a Ferengi. You get F's all across the board. Yeah, and the F's are not for for for, for Ferengi. No, no, I, there's a great for cake. <laughs> yes, no, there's a great. Thi- I was reading on Memory Alpha. There's a great thing where they're like, we where. They're talking about how we needed to make Quark basically pick a side. Where it's like, he's been, you know, he, he's he been off Ferenginar for a long time now. He's not doing very Ferengi things anymore. We need to just flat out say, this is not, like, he is not a representation of Ferengi culture anymore well, as this, much as he wants to be. It's a very clear, let's check in and see where he is in his arc. Mm-hmm. Like, he's becoming more human every day. He yes. doesn't want to, but this is where he has to acknowledge. It's like when we recently had the episode with Cisco, where he finally has to admit... Yeah, I'm the emissary. Mm-hmm. Okay, I I didn't want to be, but this is who I am, and this is the reality now. It's yeah. very similar to that. Mm-hmm. I just like his kind of like that. His his arc is kind of all right. I'm actually kind of an okay guy. Yeah, I'm I'm a sellout, but you know what? It's okay. Yeah, <laughs> at least I picked a really good place to sell out. Yeah, it's not all humans here. No, there, there's there's Garrick over there who who will kill me for a price, maybe, probably not. <laughs> Let's talk I... about that a bit. Um, I love that so much. At at one point, he's basically it, there's kind of a there's kind of a crisis of faith in this one for Quark too. Yep. Like I like. Well, I guess th- this is the first time you realize that all this rules of acquisition stuff is really more of a religion than it is like a code of laws. Yeah, it really kind of is. That's sort of been something I've been thinking about a lot as the as the series has gone on. And but it they really... brought up the divine treasury and all that stuff. Before. Yeah, yeah. But it sort of hit home with this episode when he's like when he's talking about how. The rules of acquisition, they're not just they are not just something we use to screw with people. It's so that we are properly screwing with people in, in a way that has been set down in Ferengi culture for many years. And I'm like, oh, you're really religious. Yep. That never occurred to me before. Okay. No, so in this way, he's like Kira. Yeah. So he actually, he kind of has a real sort of crisis of faith at one point where he's willing to just, all right, I will hire Garrick to kill me because I will not break a contract. Right. And, and I mean, he's not, he, like, the thing is, he's not entirely wrong either. Like, he gets the money that Brunt's paying him. Yep. Um, he's going to be able, he's basically going to be able to, like I said, pay off all his debts, which 
huge part of yeah you know yeah because culture. when you go to the afterlife they believe that they count that stuff up mm-hmm. so yeah you have to do that and he's going to have a shit ton of extra money to bribe his way into his next life right so i mean the fact that he sort of you know the fact that he sort of chooses not to die and to sort of give everything up is a really big deal yep well and it's win win for brunt well yes cuz either he closes the bar and ruins quark or quark is just dead yeah he he actually he says it at one point like i hope you do give it up give it up then i can utterly destroy you yep which all he does is put a sticker on the wall and take the chairs away but, but you know. <laughs> I guess that's what that means in Ferengi culture. I was, I was also reading on uh, on Memory Alpha, where they make a point of saying Quark is the fourth character on Deep Space Nine to be exiled from his people. Yep. <laughs> this really is the place to go. Well, this this show's been like that from day one. Really. Yeah, they're all sort of outsiders in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Fourth character though. Uh, what do we Worf? got? We got Worf. Uh, Odo, uh, which Odo. will come up more in the next episode, but sort of now. Uh, and Garrick. And Garrick, you're right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um. I checked my math. Yeah. No, I I believe you. I just yeah. I couldn't think of them offhand. I forgot. Like Garrick's such a big part of stuff. I always forget that he's also enduring something bad. Yeah. Because he's always enjoying himself. You know. <laughs> he doesn't seem miserable like the other guys. Well, as we'll see in the next episode, he's very he's got quite the poker face. This is true. <laughs> Unlike uh, Worf. What was your bad thing? Ah, so on the uh, on the topic of uh, of uh, Ferengi religion, we have a scene, basically after uh, Garrick has ba- or Quark's hired Garrick to kill him, uh-huh. and his basic thing is, I don't want to see it coming. I just want to go to sleep and wake up in the Divine Treasury. Right. So one of the act breaks is that Quark goes to sleep and wakes up in the Divine Treasury, and it turns out to be a very obvious dream sequence. And boy, is it dumb. It's like, not great, but it's pretty standard as dreams go, I think. It's, we've done dream sequences in Trek before, and, like, I have gotten to the point in my life where I cannot stand a lame dream sequence anymore. Like, I would really... I I, I just hate this sort of, oh, this is a dream. Yeah, Every- but the audience will actually believe it's a real thing happening for a minute, because that's what dreams are like. You never think things are real no. in a dream. No, no. Like an I, outside observer wouldn't, I mean. Yeah, no, I have had a lot of dreams, and in none of them have I had a clear conversation with someone over yeah. anything. Yeah, you know? if anyone were to see my dreams, they, they for one, they'd be like, whoa, what the fuck, man? Mm-hmm. But but two, they would be, it would be very clear it wasn't real. Yeah. The thing is, I think The Sopranos ruined me for this. Yeah. I know there have been other TV shows, too, but The Sopranos in particular really did the great, like, they represented fictional dreams in a way I'd never seen before. Like, mm. like that thing where you're walking through your house and then suddenly it's your parents' house. Yeah, exactly. And you're talking to your dad, but then suddenly it's your brother. Just and, like stuff like that. Yeah, just everything being so incredibly straightforward really bugs me about like yeah. a dream sequence. And all I can think about while all this is going on is God, I would like to see. I would love a scene where Quark has basically what happens is Quark has a conversation with the first Nagus. Mm-hmm. As played by Rom, yeah. doing a slightly better voice than usual. Well, listen, a slightly better voice than Rom is like, um, I don't know, a dolphin. <laughs> anyway, so basically Rom shows up as the first Nagus and Brunt's there as the devil on his shoulder. Right. And they have themselves, you know, they have a long conversation about, you know, if Quark should let himself get killed or, you know... All this crap. 
And all I can think is, God, I would really love to have seen this conversation happen with an actual character. Yeah, but the problem is, you I know, can see the writing challenge. Who would he have this conversation with? He doesn't trust anyone enough to talk to them about this. I mean, my first go-to would be Odo, but, Odo you know. would not understand this stuff. No. They, they are friends, but he would not understand this Ferengi stuff. I actually... This episode, for an episode where Quark thinks he's dying, it's very light on Odo. I think that's, I think that's important, because Quark probably gave Odo a wide berth because if you think about it once Odo finds out that um Brunt is trying to kill him more or less mm -hmm. he's probably going to arrest Brunt and that's just going to make things more complicated for Quark that is true so he probably deliberately left Odo out of the loop as best he could yeah that's that's probably that's pretty good I'm going to give you your no prize for that no I'm, I'm mostly thinking from a writing standpoint yeah you have Quark go to Odo Odo arrest Brunt the episode's over mm -hmm. you, you have to have him wring his hands for a bit yeah so Odo's away on a, on a botany adventure also. <laughs> Shows up at the end to drop some chairs off, though. <laughs> yep. Well, that's your quote, isn't it? Yes, it is. Well, let's like let's play. talk about that scene first. Right. Set it up because I believe it's your good thing. All right, thing, the, the, and this is my good thing. There's a lot of, there's actually a lot of very sweet moments in this episode. There are. Um, the end, obviously, which is the, uh, the it's a wonderful life scene. Yeah. Where uh, Quark's sitting alone in his bar, or what's left of his bar, anyway trying to figure out what the hell he's going to do with his life now that he can't, you know, not own anything and right. can't do business with Ferengi or go back to Ferenginar or anything. Um, and then Julian shows up. He's like, oh, uh, Quark, I've got this uh, case of alien world brandy I'm not going to drink. Do you want it? Otherwise, I'm going to bang it down to Lou. <laughs> <coughs> and then Dax shows up. Ah, uh, Quark, I got some really ugly-ass glasses for you if you want them. I don't want them. Yep. I will also bung them down the loo. <laughs> and then show me bunging down the loo. It's fun. Have you seen this shit? This is amazing. And <laughs> then the doors open, and everyone on the station shows up. Carrying with, something. Uh, carrying something, and, like, Cisco pops in, and actually, you know what? We'll just play the quote here. Yep, let's do that. Quark! Yes, Captain. We're doing some structural repair on level two of the habitat ring. We need a place to store some extra furniture for the next few months, and it looks like you have the room. Captain, where do you want me to put all this furniture? We have three levels. Constable, use them all. Understood. Captain, you can't do this. Not without paying a storage fee. A minimum storage fee, practically nothing. Send me the bill. Yeah. It's... There's the bit with Cisco where uh, Quark says, mm -hmm. uh, well, I'm going to have to charge you a, st a storage fee, and I wish we could do visual quotes because yeah. there's a look on Cisco's face like, really? Are yeah. you going to... Are you, Right now, are you going to... And then he, he, he shifts, and he's like, you know what? This is Quark. Yeah. I, he's got to keep his pride. Yeah, you know what? Send me the bill. Mm-hmm. That was so cool. It's it it shows Cisco is almost completely not in this episode, but it shows how far he's come. Well, I think like, it's it's not just that, and it's definitely that, but it's also uh, Court covering his ass for when Brunt comes sniffing around again. Well, okay, true, but I also think it's a pride thing. It absolutely is. I'm not saying it isn't. Look, just because I've been kicked out of my people doesn't mean I'm going to stop acting like a Ferengi. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I might be going to hell when I die, or whatever, like socialist paradise, Canada, I assume. Is Canada Ferengi hell? Um, Maybe somewhere more full-on communist than that? Because uh, you guys still have to get jobs and stuff. Let's see, it's not probably not BC, but, you know, you can have, they can have mid-Canada. May, no, maybe like one of the Scandinavian countries. Yeah, that's fine, too. 
where you where you just don't even have to get a job where the government will just float you and yeah. Yeah, everything's fine. I hear I hear college is free in Germany. Maybe there. Yeah, there you go. Because what you want is a well-educated German populace. <laughs> no German books ever caused the world any trouble. <laughs> well, I mean, it was a very poorly written book. So I've heard. All right. Anything else? Um. Yeah. No. I think there's also a, there's also kind of a nice scene with uh, Quark and Rom. Yeah, there is. Where Rom is just like, I don't want you to die. Yeah, Brother. but it's ruined by Rom being Rom. Well, look. Yes, he, that voice ruins everything. Like he actually cries like that. But uh, no, when uh, you know when he offers to when he offers to buy a uh, a, dis- a disc of desiccated vacuum sealed Quark. No, it's sweet. And you know he talks about all the stuff Quark you know Quark's done for right. DS Nine and everything. You know it, it's a it's a nice little scene. It is. It really is. I There's... just wish that character didn't talk like that or walk or look like that. Yeah. Like, it's not just the voice, but the voice is most of it. That's, uh... Maybe Rom could have some, uh, reconstructive surgery. Maybe Rom could hit puberty. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, do Do you think that's what Nog's problem was? He's waiting for his dad to hit puberty? Yes. It's like, it's like orc puberty. Like, not, not orcs from D&D, orc from Mork from Orc. Ah, uh, yes. Where they age in reverse. Where you're born looking like Jonathan Winters in a diaper and you age in reverse. I can't think of anything more horrifying than Jonathan Winters in a diaper. Oh, I bet you could. We'll get to it in the next episode, in fact. Uh, let's uh, talk about this next episode. Uh, yes, let's move on. Broken Link, it's called. Uh, and it goes a little something like this. If I were to make a list of my top five episodes of all time, across all of Trek, not just DS9, this episode would be on it. So there's a part of me that just wants this summary to go, except, well, you might not be able to tell because I conceal it so effectively, but I'm a bit under the weather. I'm going to try my best to set aside the delirium of my waking fever dream and tell you what happened in this episode. We begin with Garrick trying to hook Odo up with a hot Bajoran lady, but there's no time for that because Odo has an appointment with the floor as a puddle. Odo's sick, kids, and there's goo everywhere. I can relate. (laughs) Unfortunately, the best Dr. Bashir can do is confirm that, yes, you, Odo, are turning into goo. Permanently. So, somewhat reluctantly, Odo decides to seek out the only people who might be able to help him, the Founders. He asks Sisko to take the Defiant to the Gamma Quadrant and broadcast an endless signal that says, Hey, Jem'Hadar, we're over here! I mean, they were planning on doing that anyway because it's Tuesday, (laughs) but this time they're letting Odo ride along. Almost immediately, they're intercepted by Jem'Hadar and the unnamed female changeling who temporarily cures him but says that he'll have to come along to the Great Link to be judged. So the Dominion throws sheets over the Defiant sensors and take them to their new secret base where they live in a big gooey ocean. And as promised, he's absorbed and judged. The changeling's team... The changelings learn almost too late that man is a feeling creature and decide that Odo's punishment should be to live as one of them. Ouch! So, nude Odo heads back to the Alpha Quadrant in time to see Gowron's latest televised manifesto and drops the possibly relevant detail that, oh yeah, while he was in the link, he may have heard something about Gowron being a changeling, which consequently means that all this Klingon stuff was just a Dominion plot, a ploy to start a war. That's not important, is it? Well, 1996 viewers, we'll give you the summer to figure that out. So long, suckers! Yeah, this one. This, I like I said, top God. five, all Star Trek, just, Damn. I was watching in real time at this point, and mm-hmm. it's like... That was a pretty powerful Odo story, and then that epilogue was like, oh, shit. I, I can't imagine 
what it was like to have to wait that four months for the new episode. Well, we were in we were in chat rooms at this point. I've talked briefly about this. Like mm. I was hanging out with other Star Trek fans on AOL, and we just speculated all summer. Yeah, it was it was like this show, only a little more scattershot and constant. Mm. Just, what do you think happened? What, what, do, you, what do you think they're going to do? Where are they going from happen? here? Yeah. So fucking cool. Yeah. Oh, man. And the thing is, that's the epilogue. That's the afterthought. Yeah. After all this amazing stuff happens. Oh, by the way. And that's the thing I like about this show so far. They will do a couple of proper cliffhangers coming up where it's like some character is in immediate danger and you need to see how they get out of the danger. Mm -hmm. But their move is more. We're going to set up the status quo for next year, which is going to blow your mind. And there's not going to be a specific continuation of this moment. It's just going to be, we're going to drop this bomb on you and everything's different. Now, goodbye. Yeah. Which I like better than a, than a Mr. War fire. Yeah. Like that was good. That was a, that was a great clip. Oh yeah. But I like the, I like the sinister. No, everything's going to kind of be the same, except never be the same again. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's the difference between like the obvious problem of, you know, Captain Picard, could be dead or yeah. Borg or whatever against well now everything was bad and it just got worse it's it's the last season cliffhanger amplified mm -hmm. last season's cliffhanger was you're too late we're everywhere yeah and this is a step further than that this is worse now there's a specific threat and it's this guy who's about to declare war on you. yeah you're you're too late we're still everywhere mm. and we're somewhere important yeah we're in these two eye sockets <laughs> Two tiny changelings driving his eye sockets. Oh, like, I don't know that they have to be that tiny. Well, you know what I mean. Like <laughs> like the Martians and Mars attacks in the in the robot head. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just amazing. Yep. It's it's like, oh my god. And it doesn't stop. There is not like we both we both came up with a bad thing, kinda. Yeah, this is a tough uh this is a tough one for bad things. Well, they do this thing where, first of all, there's a very personal story going on with one of our favorite characters. Yep. Odo and, and Rene Abagenois, like, really rises to the occasion so many times. We'll get to that in a minute. Mm. But beyond that, like, all that, all the stuff that's going to happen with the Alpha Quadrant, all, the, all that stuff, Dominion and all that. And then there's this great layer of levity. There's mm -hmm. this great layer of every time we cut to the guys on the bridge on the Defiant, this journey to the Gamma Quadrant is going to take a while, and they're just sitting around chatting. That's all great, too. Yeah. It, there's a there's a there were so many possible quotes and one of them was uh o'brien says uh I, you know i've served on like half a dozen ships i've never been on one with a cloak before but now we're not cloaked i feel naked and Worf says yeah i know what you mean and cisco says yeah i'm feeling the breeze myself gentlemen <laughs> and dax just smirks and says sorry just sitting here with all these naked men <laughs> and she's like they found the perfect dax again yeah. it's not like a oh she's the ditzy slut it's like no She's just playful. Yeah. And it's great. She, I love it. You know, she just, she has a, she knows how to have a good time. Yep. No matter what. But I mean, it's so obvious that that's what she should say, but a year ago she wouldn't have. No. It just, it took them a while to fix her, but I'm glad they finally did. Yeah. This is, this is the Dax we've been waiting for. But there's a lot of this. There's a lot of like in ops, uh, uh, Kira is sneezing because that's what pregnant Bajoran women do. Yeah. And they like have bets. I think she'll stop at seven. I, think I, I, nope, I, 10. I love the delivery on that scene, too. Like, it's just perfectly yep. sort of, like, teasingly sarcastic. Well, they all have really great rhythm together. Yeah. When they give them dialogue like that, where it's like, seven, eight, ten. Yeah. Like, just right on top of each other. It's, like, perfect timing. No, they just, they all play off of each other so well. Yes, they do. You know? Like, even, like, even Worf has slotted himself into these guys so perfectly. Well, Dax is clearly pulling his pigtails. Yes. 
And there's a point where he even turns to Cisco and basically says, Dad, make her stop. You know, if we were on the Enterprise, you would take her into your ready room and give her a firm dressing down. And tell her how disappointed you are. Yeah, well, I'm probably not going to do that. No, he In actually... Fact, odds are pretty good that I'm not going to do that. What he says was, was Dex's, were Dex's previous hosts uh, like this? He's, nope, they were worse. <laughs> Be lucky Curzon isn't here. <coughs> well, he did like Klingons. Yeah. A lot. A lot, a lot. Uh, okay, but really the main, obviously the main story here is Odo. Yes. Which is just it's so great. And Rene Abajouar plays it so fucking well. There's a great, right at the beginning when he's in, uh, he goes, <laughs> Garrick brings him into his shop under false pretenses to try and hook Odo up with a uh, local attractive Bajoran woman. Uh-huh. And, you know, after after she leaves, Odo's, you know, he's about to head off on his rounds or whatever. When he sort of does the slip, uh, and then change sort of briefly. Yep. And you know, you unfortunately, get... the Morphe effects from back then aren't great, but it's really compensated by his acting, which yeah. is just phenomenal. Yeah. No, R- Renee fucking sells that shit. Like, yeah. He... And there's several scenes where he has to sell. I'm I'm turning to liquid, and it's uncomfortable for me, which is ridiculous. No actor has probably ever had to play that. No, ever. probably not. And he nails it. But I just, like, he, he he just takes this one step where he goes back to normal and sort of reclaims his dignity before he just splats out on the floor. Yep. And I love it. Yeah. Like, no, and there's there's several scenes like that. Like, he clearly spends so much time figuring this character out and, like, how this character reacts to anything. And it's just, it's really appreciated. Well, and when you look at how limited his facial expressions are in that mask. Yeah. You, you got to appreciate it even more. Mm-hmm. And basically, we see him scowl all the time, and he's got this way of widening his eyes. He doesn't have eyebrows, but they would raise if he had them. Yep. Like, where he looks horrified, and it's like, that is such an out-of-place look. My God, he must be really uncomfortable. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, man. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, seeing Data laugh or something. It's yeah. just, it's so out of place. I mean, <laughs> I said this later on in the episode. It's so weird seeing him out of uniform, too. Yeah, he's in a like a hospital gown when he comes back, and and Bashir's checking him out to see like, yeah, you've got human blood and everything. Yeah, but he's just sitting there in a pair of like hospital jammies, and I'm just yep. like, that's not right. No, you've never seen him in anything but that. Yeah, it's like the best I've gotten was the belt. Yeah, no, when he's undercover, he's undercover as an object. He never yeah. disguises himself in a different pair of clothes. Yeah, and he's wearing his like uniform off duty. Like he's never taken it off. Yeah, it's just, it's weird. Yeah, it is weird. And he just, he nails all of it so much. There's this amazing scene. Well, it's, it's, there's two bits that go right together that are both great. Yeah. He's decided, I'm going, I'm going to the Defiant. We can't beam you there because it'll scramble your blah, 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 whatever. For some reason, we can beam a dying baby, but we can't di- <laughs> beam a dying changeling. That's, uh, who knows. But fine. It, it sets up this amazing dramatic scene where, first of all, Quark catches him just as he's leaving sick bay. Yeah. He's like, uh, you, you, you coming back, right? Yeah, good, because otherwise I'm going to own the station in a week. Yeah, it's perfect. Like, you can tell how fucking close these characters are, because Quark knows exactly yeah. what to say to him. Just, this would have been my quote if this if this was my episode. Just mm-hmm. It's like, so I hear you're not doing that well. I don't know where you would have gotten that idea. Oh, yeah. you better be doing good, because by the time you get back, this place is going to be uh, in a shambles. I will be 
owning this place. You you will be well, drowned out. Well, then you're damn lucky with... I'm on. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Well, then you're damn lucky I'm on my. I'll be back. Yeah, yeah you'll be. You'll, your ears will be drowned out by come to Quark's. Quark's is fun. <laughs> Just echoing through the hallways everywhere at all times. <laughs> Never stops. You know, Quark's is fun. <laughs> I want to run. I don't just want to walk. Um, but no, it's, it's a really... My, I love it when my name rotates. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a really powerful scene between two friends that don't want to show that they're friends, but the, clearly the subtext is, I love you, man, take yep. care of yourself. And it's, it's really sweet. Mm-hmm. And then it's followed immediately by everyone on the promenade is gathering to watch the dancing freak. Mm-hmm. And instead of putting on a, 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 a funnel and dancing, he just straightens up and walks. Yep. And it's just this, like, you can tell, like, he's in serious discomfort. He's liquiding up here and there. These people will not see me fall. I no. will I will not give them the satisfaction. I am going to walk onto that ship. Yeah. And it's so Odo, and they don't have to have a single line of dialogue to make it work. It's no. just perfect. It's, 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 it's so great. Yep. And then all the stuff with the changelings. Mm. All the stuff with the female changeling and, and all that stuff. Yep. Which, let's go into your good thing. Um... So I love the female changeling. Yes. Um, for a small, rather plainly dressed, more or less middle-aged looking woman. Um, she with carries, no face. With no face. She carries so much menace around with her. Like, when, just when she beams onto the ship for the first time, surrounded by Jem'Hadar, and you're just like, oh, we're fucked. And it's not like the music suddenly goes, dun, dun, dun. Like, it's all her. No. She has, she has this way of talking to Odo, too. That's <clears throat> it walks the line between sympathetic and just condescending. Yeah, con- there's condescending, but it's there's also threatening. Yep. Like there's a lot of oh poor Odo. You you want to come back to us, right? Yeah. You want to come back to us, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then and I, I was saying, like, I think the vibe I get is is pre when he goes totally nuts, uh, Palpatine. Yes. Before power, unlimited power, just before that, Mm -hmm. where he's like, it's treason then and all that. She's got that silky sort of the 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 whispering in the ear type thing, you know, well, there's a definite seductive vibe. And I think she's deliberately female for that reason. Yeah, that's an extra layer of temptation for Odo on top of I want to be back with my people is I've never known the touch of a woman. Here's a woman from my people. Yeah, exactly. That just to make it that much worse, and they'll actually, without spoiling specifics, go into that in more detail later, mm-hmm. which is which is fantastic. But she's just as the f- sort of the face, more yeah. or less, of of the changeling. She's just really perfect. Yes, and just sort of like the bad guy. Yep, just the bad guy. This is her, this is her right here. And I don't think we ever get to know any other individual changelings. I there was the one that Odo killed. Yeah, but, but we. I, what I'm yeah. saying is get to know. Yeah. Spend more than 10 minutes with him maybe saying a few words, mm-hmm. but actually, like, give them characteristics. Like, they're basically Borg. Yeah. In the sense that they are a collective society that just sort of throws themselves at you and you don't really get individual, like, characteristics. Mm. And she is the Borg queen, only so much better than that. Yeah, well, she makes sense for them. Like... Right. And they gave her to us up front. Yeah. No, I, I, I love this character. And then, then there's this scene. Yes. You want to talk about this scene? It is your quote. Uh, oh, yes. This, this, I picked this quote four years ago when we started this show. Yeah. One day we're going to get to DS9. And one day, 
we're gonna we're gonna do this episode and this is it this is garrick approaches her he wants to go real bad on this mission mm -hmm. and actually cisco says uh, you know what we need someone to keep odo occupied you lying for five days would do really do the trick it would keep his mind off everything yep you just do your thing man spin your web and the real reason he wants to go is to confront the female changeling which he does and uh he asks her this excuse me madam may i have a moment of your time you are a cardassian oh, that's right and on behalf of my people i'd like to learn if there were any survivors after our attack on your homeland cardassian survivors yes there were no cardassian survivors you mean they're all dead they're dead you're dead cardassia is dead your people were doomed the moment they attacked us. I believe that answers your question. It was a pleasure meeting you. I love... That, that oh. just sticks with me. And watching it again just now, like just before we started recording, my memory was her saying, they're all dead! And I realized that's not it at all. No. I remembered her screaming at him and she says, no, they're all dead. No. They're all dead. And walks away. Yeah, it's just, it's so it's matter worse. of fact. It's that original Hannibal Lecter, like, like Anthony Hopkins thing. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't watch the Hannibal show. I don't know what he's like, like putting jokes aside about whatever. Like, it's that original when the bad guy is super calm no matter what and doing terrifying things. It's way worse. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's horrifying. That's the thing. It's one thing to have someone yell at you. I know how to, I know how to respond to someone yelling at me. I fucking get to work and write my damn uh, my damn summary. <laughs> oh, uh, you say that every week. I haven't beaten you in years. <laughs> but um it's 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 a different thing entirely when uh you know. Well, it's the Picard thing. She's disappointed in you. Yeah. That's way worse. Oh, no. We the, no, they're dead. And, and I I so often did not buy into let's beam onto the Borg ship and they'll just leave us alone cuz we're not a threat. Mm. When you think this through, and even not knowing what happens next, they obviously have some chess pieces in play. Yeah. They're clearly planning something. If they murder Cisco right now, that will get things moving way too quickly, and that's just not acceptable. Like, that's not... They're, they're, not everything's in place yet. No, that draws... The, the Federation will come for them. Yeah. Because they like Cisco. He's he's a good guy. And yeah. he symbolizes, like, this is the last hope of the Alpha Quadrant. If you yeah. attack him, you're... you're Step on our turf. Right now, there's a very, very, very shaky... Um, I'm not going to say truce, because no. the Jem'Hadar just blew up the station a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, but that was Renegade Jem'Hadar, and other Jem'Hadar said, we need to join you in stopping them. So yeah. that still maintains that illusion. But, um, but it, you know, if our guys didn't constantly keep stepping in their yard, I would say maybe they were honoring the agreement. But, yeah, yeah. no, I see what you mean. Yeah. It's just, it's it's... It's so, like, it makes sense when you think about it. It's mm -hmm. not contrived to say, here's Bashir and, and Cisco standing in the middle of this lake of changelings. Why aren't they killing them? Well, yeah. if you think about it, they can't. No. Like, it, it all makes sense. They, they, I just love how much they've thought this stuff out. Well, and the other thing is there's that great changeling arrogance, too. Yeah. Where it's just like... Oh, we, we didn't do kill us? Yeah, we don't have to kill you now. We, yeah. uh, we... We live We're coming for you. Hundreds of years. There will be plenty of time to kill you later. Yeah. Well, let, let us get all the pieces in place. Yeah. And let all our puppets take care of it. We yeah. don't want to get our hands dirty, and they're not even hands for very long. Yeah. Well, I, and then you know, 
in a day, not too far from now, uh, we will take care of you in one short day. Yep, that is exactly right. I just picture uh, the people, a bunch of people getting killed in uh, in prison <laughs> over the Among course of two places. minutes. Yes, while uh, while a baby changeling is being uh, being christened. Yes, that's right. Okay. T- today, all Great Link business is settled. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, but I, I let's talk about the Great Link. I don't oh, know if we've ever man. seen it. They've talked about it. No, we... Oh, but as a purely science fiction concept, as these shapeshifters whose natural form is liquid, yeah. to think that they live in an ocean of them all intertwined in this massive Borg-like collective consciousness yeah. is so cool. That The image of the little rock... In yeah. the ocean of changelings is just yeah, something let, I love so much. They let Bashir and and Cisco stand there and wait. Yeah, and she said we may be some time. And my first thought was we're going to be a few days. Don't pee in the Great Lake. <laughs> what do you What do you think, Captain? You think I could get away with it? I probably wouldn't risk it, Doctor. Yeah, I, there's actually a really cute scene where where Bashir's playing around with a rock, and he very briefly considers skipping a stone. And Cisco just like, what What are you doing? Don't um. You're going to create an interstellar incident. Stop it. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Oops. My bad. Now, on the one hand, I don't think Julian's that dumb. But on the other hand, that was really funny. Yeah. So well, I don't care. <laughs> my thinking is, you know, you're there long enough and I could totally see just idly chucking a rock into. I could see O'Brien doing that. Yeah, definitely. Bashir should be, Bashir should be uh, smarter than but that. I mean, but I okay. mean, the gag is too good that I don't care. No, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. I, I, I had a couple of thoughts about that rock, too. Oh, um, yeah, the rock, the, the little island that they're standing on? Yeah, because my first thought was, like, it's like, would they just would they just have, like, one rock in the middle of their entire planet, the Ocean of Changeling? And then that led to, or maybe did they move away from this area so that they'd That's have That's what I thought, sit. they just receded yeah. the, the shoreline. To, and, yeah. and then my thought was, is that rock all Changeling? Ew, could be. Are the little rocks Bashir's chucking in... <laughs> Also, little changelings? Yeah, changeling eggs. Yeah. Yep, probably. They taste like poplars. <laughs> uh, so what was your bad thing? Um, we both had a really hard time. Yeah, this was a tough one. Um, basically, making Odo human made me realize something. Um, Odo's going to eventually, no matter what happens, probably in the very near future, have to go and take his first ever shit. Yep. And... Personally, I cannot for the life of me imagine anything on Earth more horrible than a grown man having to take a shit for the first time in his entire life. You're really sort of disgusted and embarrassed to be human, aren't you? It was Have I not made that obvious? Yes. Yes, well, I, I just, am. I just wanted to call it out completely. Yeah, just... no. Everything about, everything about being human is gross. Okay. I don't really see it that way, but... It's gross and wet. <laughs> and I see him... I see him being really concerned. Oh, God, a part of me just sloughed off. That's usually bad. I need to put it back in. Yeah. Doctor, can I can I ask you something? Can you do something with this? Ah! I need you to reattach this. Oh, my why, God! Why are you carrying that? All right, I need to get Spider-Man to teach you how to use the bathroom. Yeah, exactly. Luckily, he's visiting uh, DS9 this week. Oh, well, that's that's nice. He's, fr- he's good friends with Morn. They'll cut it out in the trade. That's a that's a Transformers reference. The only Spider-Man per- appeared in issue three of the Marvel Transformers comic, and that's why they couldn't make a trade for years. Yep. Because Transformers are owned by one company, but they put Spider-Man in like five panels, and they fucked it all up for everybody. Mm-hmm. 
So I think they just like put black panels in or something. It's also like why the Marvel Godzilla series is so often out of print. Mm. And anything where Rom Space Knight appeared. Yep. Why don't we just replace Rom the Ferengi with Rom Space Knight? That sounds fine. That would be great. I loved Rom Space Knight. <laughs> Rom, get up here. I need you to help me fix the bar. I can't mm. right now. I'm vaporizing dire wraiths. Yeah, I'm chasing dire wraiths, brother. <laughs> Uh, my bad thing is maybe the flimsiest bad thing I've ever had, but shut up, this episode is amazing. At least this was something that featured in the episode, I'll yeah. give you that. Yeah. When Worf catches Garrick fooling with the Defiance phaser controls, which we didn't really touch on yet, uh, basically, uh, uh, Garrick breaks, like, manages to slip by almost all the security except for Worf's constant vigilance of, <laughs> I'm gonna keep an eye on Garrick. And, uh, he's, he's, uh... Repro reprogramming the phasers basically to orbitally bombard uh, the the Great Link and genocide the changelings. Yeah. Which is, okay, badass already. Well, let's let's do your bad thing, and then let's talk about how awesome this scene is. Okay, but that's that's the setup. Yeah. And uh, Worf, Worf grabs him, and he says, Just as I thought. <laughs> the, uh, what, what was his second choice? You're nicked, my laddie. <laughs> well, well, well. I knew it. I might have known. <laughs> Like, it's so, like, that's it. There's one tiny little flimsy line yeah. of dialogue. That's Governor I Garrick, I should have known your foul stench when I walked off the turbo lift. Is this our thing now, bringing it back to Grand Moff Tarkin? Every I think week? it might be. Okay, I'm fine with that. <laughs> okay, but that that's that's the best I could come up with. It does, however, lead into the great scene where Garrick tries to commit genocide. Not only that, he tries to sell Worf on the idea of yep. genocide. Listen. Genocide would solve all our problems, but they'd kill Cisco and Bashir and Odo. Yes, and then they'd kill us. But you know what? Then they wouldn't kill everyone else. That's what I love. I love that. I just love that they'll be dead, and yep. then we'll be dead. But it, it won't matter. No, and the thing is, like, yeah, Odo's, or Odo. Garrick is shifty, and Garrick is, is backstabby or whatever. But at the core of it, really, a spy's job is to protect his people. Yeah. And his heart is still in the right place. He wants to protect his people and all the other people. Yeah. By doing something awful, he's willing to go a step further that no one else would, and that fits with his character so well. It absolutely like, does. It's heroic in a horrible, dark way, but it's terribly heroic. Yeah, I'll sacrifice me and everyone else, because it'll save everyone. Yeah, that's the thing. It's, I mean, it's one of many things that I love about Garrick, yeah. is he spends all of this time with this front of the, like, oh, guess I'm the innocent, slightly fey tailor. But even when you strip I'm that all, away, then like, I'm the evil spy. Yeah, that's the thing, though. All, and I'm also a bit of a spy. I'm a bit naughty. Mm -hmm. And that's that's the thing. And then you get to where he gets real. Yeah. Like in this episode, the Tane episode, where he tortures Odo. Well, and that's the thing. You realize Tane, like, what from the, from my quote, Tane is dead. His, yeah. his mentor is dead. Mm -hmm. Everyone he cared about that the, the Obsidian Order didn't already murder prior to that. Yep. Is also dead. Like, yeah. all his old buddies are, are gone. Mm -hmm. And Cardassia, where all the other Cardassians are, is about to be gone. Yeah. So, yeah, there's there's some vengeance in there, too. Yeah. There's... When when the when the female changeling tells him, there's this, this look he has. Yeah. Like, to her face, he has the same old sort of Garrick, you know, lovable old Garrick Like, look. oh, you don't say. Really? Yeah. And then he just very clearly loses it. She turns her back. Yeah, and the and stick it. The, the mask melts away, and he's just like, oh, Jesus. Like, there's, it's a great conversa or conversation, combination of just rage and 
grief and, and horror. Horror. Yeah, it's it's. Oh, God, it's Andrew J. Robinson, as he is now called officially, <laughs> yes. is amazing. He is, and the thing is, yeah, he's a bit over the top from time to time, but when it comes time to do this, there's nobody better. That's the thing, though. That over the topness just makes him less threatening. Yep. Like to the point where. I forget that he's scary. Yeah, you sometimes think, and oh, I this know... guy's almost an original series throwback. He's so over the top. This yeah. guy's almost Harry Mudd. Yeah, exactly. And then it's like, oh, right, Harry Mudd, if he murdered people. Yeah, like, you know, you trust him. I've seen this show. I'm on my third watch through of this show. I know yeah, exactly know. what Garrick's deal is. Oh, yeah, and and that one thing mm-hmm. that's coming up? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but again, he's a hero. Yeah. In in a in a in a very specific definition of it, he wants to save the Alpha and Beta Quadrant. He absolutely wants to sacrifice himself and his friends and and you know everyone on the mission to protect oh. trillions and trillions of life of lives, Cardassians, humans, Klingons, whatever. Yep. And that's just like wow, man. That's, Jesus Christ, he's a bigger hero in a way than anybody else. And he, the way he just goes and does it too, like yeah. If oh, if Worf wasn't a wasn't completely paranoid and also hated Garrick. Yeah. Because Worf is a racist. Yeah. Like well, Garrick, Garrick specifically tries to sell him on it. Mm-hmm. Like he thinks, no, no, yes, I'm starting a war. You're a Klingon. You like war. Come on. This will be great. Yeah. And you know what? We'll win. Yep. Do you think the Jem'Hadar and the Vorta can beat the combined? No, the Jem'Hadar will shut down without the, the, the uh, founders to tell them every little yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. And the Vorta are extremely fragile. As we've seen. Yeah. And tiny, tiny, tiny spoiler, cloned from squirrels. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Yeah. No, we're, we're talking about, a, like, an <laughs> empire precariously based on keeping one planet alive. Yeah, uh, ba- basically based entirely on the top of the pyramid. Yeah. You knock down the top of the pyramid, they, well, it's the a reverse doesn't pyramid. really work, but yeah, because the pyramid just crumbles, so yeah, yeah it's a reverse pyramid. Mm-hmm. Right. They're reverse vampires. Yeah, exactly. Yes. All right, anything else? Um, I think that's everything. I said a thing that really made you laugh, and I don't remember what it was. Oh, God damn it, now I don't remember what it was either. <laughs> that's okay. Son of a bitch. All right, so this is it for us for season four. Yep. Um, We are doing supplemental next week. Uh, If you if you are hearing this as it drops, you have a week to email us. Uh, if, if you're too late, that's fine. Email us. We'll get to you on the next one. We do these between every season. Mm-hmm. Postatomicor at Gmail, or if you want to go to postatomicor.com and comment on a specific episode, that works too. It comes back to us via email. Yep. However you want to do it, totally fine with us. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you, hear your thoughts. DS9 I, thoughts. Uh, DS9 thoughts, overall track, track thoughts, thoughts, thoughts whatever. whatever. Were we right? Were we wrong? Uh, we don't want to talk about past tense. Otherwise, sky's more or less the limit. Yeah, basically. All right. And the uh, sky's the limit. And with that, uh, we will see you in season five. We will. See you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Copyright 2014. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.